Time now for the quote of the week. You know, one of the features of political discourse that I'm sure we've all noticed is the disrespect, the growing disrespect for people with opposing views. Doesn't matter which side of the spectrum. Today's environment uh, is reminiscent of, I think, McCarthyism in the 50s, when the persecution of suspected communist sympathizers was the norm. Today, the same sentiments are manifested in the cancel culture where perceived transgressions, I mean, even questioning, questioning the establishment progressive agenda is a firing offense, certainly reason enough for online bullying. Which brings me to the quote of the week. You know, it's interesting, while Hillary Clinton was more blatant with her description of those who disagreed with her politically as deplorable, President Barack Obama is more subtle, stating that the people who disagreed with him or the progressive agenda were simply misinformed, uneducated, in quotes. Mainly people, they're just misinformed or they're too busy. They're trying to get their kids to school. They're working. They just don't have enough information or they're not professionals at sorting out all the information that's out there. And so our political process gets skewed. But if you guys give them good information, their instincts are good and they will make good decisions. And the president has the bully pulpit to give them good information. And a quote. You know what? That's the same way that Canada's prime minister declares himself the judge of what's acceptable and unacceptable when it comes to views. President Obama sees himself as the arbiter of good information. These are the attitudes that fuel today's growing push for censorship. In Canada, social media censorship in Bill C-11 and in the U.S. with the Government Disinformation Bureau. As the Wall Street Journal editorial board points out in quotes, you know, one of the great ironies of political life in the 2020s is that the people most exercised about the spread of false information are frequently the peddlers of it. End of quote. Time now for the shocking stat of the week. I like to repeat that we're in a monetary crisis because of my wishful thinking that at some point we'll get over our petty politics and wake up to the massive changes taking place in the monetary system. In order to help explain the impact of our major investment theme, it's well, it was since February 220, that was in order to protect yourself from the falling purchasing power of your paper dollar, one should own commodities. You know, I continue to ask this question. If you think about it, over the next five years, would you rather own paper, as in Canadian dollars, it's just paper, or U.S. dollars, any other currency, or would you rather own stuff like copper, oil, wheat, corn? I mean, I think you get the point. My shocking stat, though, focuses on China's answer. For the last several years, they've stopped buying U.S. Treasuries with their surplus trade dollars and instead have been buying commodities. Most recently, they've been negotiating deals with Russia for both oil and natural gas. And that solves the problem for both countries. I mean, Russia gets buyers outside of the West for its energy as the sanctions continue to ramp up. And of course, China gets a guaranteed supply, especially if Western sanctions are applied to them because of its intentions to take over Taiwan. Leave that for another day. But it brings me to my straightforward shocking stat. Are you ready? China represents about 20% of the world's population. Yet according to data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, China is expected to have 69% of the globe's corn reserves in the first half of the crop year this year. They'll have 60% of its rice, 51% of its wheat. Their hoarding is putting significant upward pressure on prices. While at the same time, though, it insulates China from potential sanctions from the West, 
And social unrest at home, by the way, due to food shortages and price increases. I mean, keep in mind, Chinese officials are all too aware that food and the cost of food, you know, sparked the protest in 1989 in Tiananmen Square. But you should be aware of it. I was shocked by that. 20% of the population had no idea that they'd accumulate that level of reserves when you talk about corn, wheat, rice. Wow. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. You know what? And it's a federal government double header. And it's courtesy of the terrific research done by Blacklock's report. And they really do do a good job. But why should you care about it, by the way? Well, how about because it's your money? First up, a quick reminder of Public Health Canada's pandemic performance. You know, on February 13, 2020, a memo entitled National Emergency Strategic Stockpile was written just a month after, or rather before the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic. Well, public health agency managers stated, we want to be as ready as possible. Although they didn't make any mention of the fact that they'd shut down the early pandemic warning system. They made the remarkable decision to throw away 8.9 million pieces of personal protective equipment because they didn't want to continue paying the cost of three warehouses to store it. But we're talking about throwing away high-grade masks and, ground, uh, and gowns. And then they went on to ship, by the way, to provinces, date-expired goods. You know, a, night, a 2021 audit commissioned by Public Health Canada itself entitled Lessons Learned from the Public Health Agency of Canada's COVID-19 Response cited the agency for, in quotes, confusion, limited public health expertise, and capacity gaps. As Blacklock's notes, auditors found management was so disorganized, it actually sent most employees home in the first days of the pandemic. The whole agency lacked, in quotes, the needed breadth and expertise to lead. Which, by the way, it resulted in things like the managers losing $106 million that they paid out in advance for rush orders of those same kind of medical supplies they had disposed of, and they never got the equipment. It never was delivered. I think Dire Straits uh, did a song about that called Money for Nothing, or were they referring to the government's response? And this is the goofy part, which was to award bonuses paid by the taxpayer to 88% of the executives of Public Health Canada. In total, 68 executives, 10 employees, received an average of $18,600 in performance bonuses. Performance? Say what? But that's not all. 322 executives and employees of Department of Health who were supposed to be supervising public health agency also received an average of 13200 in bonuses. And speaking of money for nothing with your tax dollars, that's the second part of our double header that you've got to be aware of. The Parliamentary Budget Office reported this week that despite the fact that the Department of Indian Affairs, now going back to 2017, they split it in two one called Crown Indigenous Relations, the other Indigenous Services, which included, by the way, a combined annual budget increase, increase estimated somewhere under $5 million, and an, an additional 3,700 employees. Although a separate government report, by the way, said, no, the growth in employees was much higher than that, up to double. But what did we get for that extra money, for that growth in the bureaucracy? Well, 
in the words of the recently released Parliamentary Budget Office report, in quotes, the analysis conducted indicates the increased spending did not result in a commensurate improvement in the ability of these organizations to achieve the goals they had set for themselves. Now, come on, if you're one of the many Canadians that's sincerely concerned for our Indigenous people, you can't let this go. Progress can't be made with this degree or this lack of accountability and the degree of government incompetence. It's been cited relentlessly by a string of Auditor Generals. But come on, as I say, we can finish the program just humming the words to money for nothing. Look, I appreciate you listening. I hope you do join us on Money Talks Tweets and Michael Campbell's Facebook, uh, Money Talks Facebook, but also remember the Special Olympians. Go out and have a terrific weekend.